Welcome to the OSMA Talks podcast series, hosted by Oklahoma State Medical Association President, Dr. Larry Bookman, MD. I'm on with uh, Dr. Steve Crawford, uh, the Dean of Healthcare Innovation and Policy at the OU College of Medicine. More importantly, he's the former chair of the Department of Family Medicine and by his very nature, a primary care physician uh, who is, was, and always will be a outstanding family doctor. Um, welcome, Steve. I'm glad you're on with me. Uh, I hope you don't mind if I call you Steve rather than Dr. Crawford. That uh, please, please call me Steve. I, it, it always seems uh, strange on these uh, interviews when I'm interviewing other doctors that I've known for a long period of time. Uh, and you and I have known each other for uh, many years, so. Yes, uh, longer than we can probably remember. <laughs> <laughs> or want to remember, that's for sure. Um, yes. So I want to start off, um, just tell us, COVID-19, we understand all the numbers, the, the, the new numbers, if you haven't seen them this morning, 879 positive now in Oklahoma with 34 deaths, uh, four more than yesterday. Um, this is affecting all of health care, but our primary care doctors, nobody's really talked about them much. They're having to see patients in the office or virtually. Uh, they're being exposed. Um, they're at risk. And now we're going to be asking a lot of our doctors to do things they haven't necessarily done in their private practice and uh, be taking care of hospitalized patients. Go through the emotions that are affecting primary care physicians right now. Well, I, I appreciate the opportunity, uh, Larry, regarding this whole um, issue. You know, there is all of healthcare is under stress uh, because it's there's a lot of unknowns and unfortunately a lot of issues regarding supplies that would provide some protection and what we're going to do for that. But I think the unknown is what's really causing the fear both for physicians, their practices, their practice personnel, and all of the families associated with those people, because unfortunately, if you get infected or you, and, and though you may not be symptomatic, you can bring that into your home and whoever's living in your home can be unfortunately exposed and potentially at risk. So, we're, and we're all dealing with that particular issue. What primary care physicians uh, need to understand is that we don't know those, uh, you know, we can surmise that people who are symptomatic are going to put you at risk and therefore you need to take appropriate precautions. But we're now getting advice that we need to probably consider every patient we see potentially at risk of exposing yourself and your um, workers and unfortunately your families if you go back to home. How to prevent that would be to do as many uh, virtual visits as you can, and we've been giving liberalization on billing for those services, such as, you know, excuse me, I, they're not supposed to be calling me. <laughs> um, 
um, I just hung up on him. I don't know who it was, probably the president of the United States. Um, <laughs> Hopefully. The, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but go going back to the, uh, so physicians should take appropriate precautions in their practices, trying to limit their exposure to many patients, both for the patient's sake and for their practice sake, using the methods that are uh, available in a variety of sources. I would also, I would direct them to their, their professional association, including the AMA and OSMA websites that have uh, good information regarding getting um, paid for doing virtual visits, whether it be through a telemedicine app or a, um, uh, even just by phone or other means of communication. One, you're providing that care to the patient. Two, you're providing um, uh, the opportunity to keep your offices open financially. The other thing, though, is to be thinking about the mental health of your yourself and your family and your the family of your practice um, and take appropriate time to think about what's going on there are a variety of sources, both on the OSMA, AMA, and other professional associations' websites that give you opportunity to be thinking about that. And don't ignore that issue because during these very stressful times, we're all under stress and we all need some support from um, any sources we can find, whether it be other family members or other clinicians just talking about it and understanding the stress. Even if you don't think you're feeling it, it's important to recognize that. And, and sometimes just talking about it is, is critical. I agree. And uh, we're going to be talking in depth about the mental health aspects with Dr. Morali Krishna, uh, who will be uh, on the phone uh, directly after this interview. So, uh, we are going to be getting into the mental health. Uh, uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, it is vitally important, and I know even in my own case, just with, uh, as you well know, uh, our emails and our text messages and phone calls blowing up. Uh, the other day I had to just shut my phone off for an hour and, and told my wife I just, I've got to lay down for a little bit. Uh, yeah. it, it, you have to understand that we're all human, uh, physicians are human beings just like everybody else. Stress gets to us. We may be a little more conditioned, but none of us have ever seen anything like this before. So mental health yeah. is, is vitally important. Steve, I want to get to a couple of things. Um, the first is, is that the uh, Board of Commissioners uh, for Cleveland County is um, sending a resolution to the uh, Board of County Commissioners uh, concerning the rapid test, asking for uh, physicians to be able to run these rapid tests if they can acquire the machines um, in their offices. We brought this up uh, uh, on another uh, interview with one of our infectious disease experts who, who felt maybe that wasn't such a good idea, that uh, this was a complex test and uh, to have CLIA waivers and allow physicians to run them in their office uh, may not be good. What is your feeling on primary care physicians if they can come up with the machines and the necessary equipment being able to run 
the rapid response tests from their office or their clinics? Well, I, I'm not certain of the um, uh, the infectious disease experts' rationale for, uh, but I'd certainly like to hear that. But if if it's a reliable test that is appropriately paid for through the financial systems, I don't see a negative on that. the The only negative that I could see is is that we would want reporting of the numbers at least, not necessarily the people. Uh, it may be important for tracking, but I think it's critical to know who's infected and who isn't. And if we if we get the rapid uh, ability to know who's infected and who isn't at the time, uh, it certainly would help, I think, um, not only the clinician's practice, but their uh, people that they're in contact with to know that they need to self-isolate. We also may be able to know how long the, the real question is with these rapid tests, um, if it is again an accurate test, um, a, an appropriately sensitive and, and uh, specific test that, that we know how long somebody stays infected. Because right now there's theories that even after you get um, um, your illness resolves that you still may be infective for several days or contagious for several days after that, even though we're sending patients home from the hospital or back to living situations. As you may have seen in the paper today, there was a big discussion on on potentially what to do with people who are coming from uh, long-term care facilities um, and should they be allowed back in their long-term care facilities. But if we don't find a solution to that issue, we're going to back up the hospitals and not have any beds available for anyone. You know, we're, we're worried about ICU beds, but we may be at the point that we're clogging up all hospitals because no one will take them. They don't want them back in their long-term care facilities, and even they don't want them back in their homes because you have frail, elderly, and immunocompromised people in, in even in regular people's homes that could get infected from somebody that had it if we don't have the ability to rapidly know whether they're now not infected. Well, I, I agree, and then there's been some studies reported, uh, and again, none of us know the answer, but at least there have been studies reported where people are still shedding virus for up to 21 or more days. Now, whether they're infectious uh, at that point or not, we don't know, but we know that they are still shedding virus even after they've been afebrile, the fever's down, and they feel better uh, for up to a week after that. So uh, uh, you're absolutely right, um, and what that's led to is a lot of anxiety in our community. Um, and I know there was an article um, that was put out by OU, and, and, and I'd like your comment on this, of a nurse who was actually attacked in the public uh, because she was a nurse and the, the, the person physically attacking her thought she would be spreading the virus. Um, and I think that only shows the amount of anxiety and stress people are under. Uh, what 
are you telling uh, your people, uh, other nurses, uh, certainly from OU and all the hospitals, all of our healthcare workers who are putting themselves on the line and at risk uh, about going out in public? And, and what can we tell the public to try to relieve the anxiety that uh, is happening at this time? Well, certainly that is a um, unfortunate but understandable response to the fear and unknown that we all are experiencing. Um, what OU uh, is recommending doing for our clinicians, one is to take appropriate precautions as we all should be in regards to social distancing, whether you're a healthcare provider or not, so that you're not out um, and getting close to large groups of people to expose. And that could be true if you're a healthcare worker or not. Now, what they're doing, and I think this is, should be true for all healthcare personnel, not only in our state, but around the nation, is so that they don't expose themselves to that um, un, unexpected fear that, or ex, maybe expected fear from the public is to not identify themselves by the way that they dress or identify themselves with uh, badges or insignia, as it were. So what, what OU's recommending is not to wear scrubs in public. Um, one, if you've been out in the community or in, in your healthcare setting, you may be taking that potential infection on your clothes to others, though that's a very... Um, uh, difficult way to spread that infection, but just so that people aren't frightened by your appearance in the public or wearing badging that, you know, we all now wear badges in healthcare settings to show patients that we are part of the healthcare team, that we don't wear that out if we have to be in public for, you know, going to get food for ourselves or, you know, going to pick up um, other relatives that are in other healthcare settings that may need to be in that so that we're recommending that you don't wear clothing that identify or badging that identifies you as part of a healthcare team. And I think that's true for any healthcare setting, whether it be in a nursing home, whether it be in a hospital or even just in a physician's office. Uh, so wearing white coats or other identifiers is probably at this moment not appropriate to be done in public to lessen that fear that people are, are expressing through that event that occurred, unfortunately, to one of our workers at OU. Um, I think that's an important point uh, for all healthcare providers. I think that's uh, an important point for all of our healthcare providers to understand about how you go out in public, but also important for all the citizens to understand that our health care providers are putting themselves at risk on the front line trying to take care of the ill. Uh, certainly we need to respect them. We need to uh, certainly not be attacking them as spreading the virus. They're professionals. They know how to take care of themselves. They know how to uh, change their clothes uh, so that they're not spreading it among the public. And I think it's very important that the public understand that uh, this is not a time to be attacking healthcare workers. Um, very quickly, I want to 
say that testing, as you have said, is very important, uh, both the positives and negatives. Um, we talked about that shortly uh, right before uh, this interview started. And I want to stress that we have 16 locations, uh, and that is available for people to uh, find. But certainly we have testing locations at Kay County, at uh, Pittsburgh County, both Oklahoma City and Tulsa. And most of these are by appointment or still by at least a referral from your primary care physician. So if people want to know where they can get tested, certainly they can uh, uh, text uh, uh, this uh, program at uh, uh, Mitchell Talks. Um, they can uh, text to the Oklahoma State Medical Association who sponsors this program, um, and we will be happy to send out information on uh, where testing can be done. Uh, we need testing and more testing, both positive and negative, to understand what's going on. The state has now sent out a, a Google uh, questionnaire for people throughout the state, and we need um, a uh, rapid response, high percentage rapid response to that questionnaire, and that will help target testing uh, for areas, especially the rural areas of Oklahoma. Um, we need to know where symptoms are so that we can find out what our true numbers are. Uh, that's going to be important for controlling this. And as uh, Dr. Crawford has said, uh, keep your social distancing, uh, stay at home. Uh, if you have symptoms, call your primary care doctor. They are trained to know what to do um, and uh, will give you good information as to what the possible treatment may be, whether it's just uh, quarantine with fluids and rest or whether it's something more than that. Um, Steve, I want to thank you um, for the time you've spent. It's been very enlightening. I hope it's helped a lot of people understand uh, what our primary care doctors are going through uh, and help them to understand healthcare workers in general. So I thank you. Uh, you stay safe and healthy, and thank we you. will talk again. Stay well and stay at home, everyone. Thank you. Learn more at okmed.org and on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Have a question for Dr. Bookman? Email him at osmatalks at okmed.org.